Welcome to the EFTM F1 podcast with Trevor Long, Harry Tucker and Connor McNally. Thanks to KO Sports, all the F1 action live, all season long. And there we go. Welcome to the Formula One podcast on EFTM. Trevor Long with you, Connor McNally and Harry Tucker here as well. Thanks to KO Sports. KO's got you covered every single Formula One session live, every single race You won't miss a minute of it. You can have uh, multi-screens going. You can do it all with KO Sports every single session. Boys, Harry Tucker, let's go with you first, mate. Monza 2022 highlight, KO Mini or full race? I'm going straight to the highlights for this because... Actually, can you even say highlights? Because I don't even know if there could be one that could be named. Wow, there it is. Connor? Yeah, KO Mini. I was expecting it to be carnage, but no, nah, it's just a KO Mini for me in the end. We've had a carnage letdown this year, really, haven't we? <laughs> yeah, I feel like I feel like Revheads Motorsport fans are fans of carnage, and and it, it's kind of a terrible thing to be, but it is a part of the sport, and and you do kind of want for it. But I, I and I, I remember earlier in the season, I don't know which race Connor, I remember like what minute of the day it was, <laughs> but I remember saying at one point, it's it's actually amazing how great this year's pack of drivers are off the line. Like, into that first corner, they have found just a brilliant way to show respect to each other and give room. Maybe not every single corner of every every race, but certainly that opening lap, Harry, I feel like has been quite strong in terms of, uh, you know, their race craft this year. Oh, completely. It's sort of, it's a bit bittersweet in a way because, (laughs) you know, as you say, we're all kind of like just hoping that that there is a bit of a prang, usually in that first corner, as long as it's not as long as it's not your team, though. Anyone else, yeah. we're all for it. <laughs> exactly. So it's, it's, <laughs> but it's also interesting that this is all happening when we've got quite a young crop of drivers out there. Like yeah. a, a lot of yeah. the grid, and especially you know, some of these guys in some of the top teams, like George, are quite, quite young. And you I, think, wonder if, I wonder if it says something for the, uh, like the, the F3, F2 stepping stone process that we've, we've kind of had at a greater level than ever in the last kind of five years or so. Maybe there's something about the race craft they're learning. Maybe there's just something about the driver's briefing these days. But anyway, I think that, that, that it's been good. Normally, I would, uh, I would follow a very clear process with this, uh, with this show. We would recap a bit of the race. We'd talk about the teams and we'd talk about the drivers. I'm going to throw that on its head, boys. And I just have to say, driver of the day, Nick DeFries. I agree. I, I think that... If he hasn't just shown himself to be a Formula One driver, I don't know who who has, because Connor, this is a this is a kid who he's was twenty seven, dri- driving an Aston <laughs> he looks Martin. young though. I don't know. He was driving an Aston Martin in free practice on Friday. He got a call up because of Alex Albon having um, appendicitis on Saturday and had to qualify the car. Um, thanks to grid penalties and all those things, he 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 qualified strong. He hit the grid strongly. And he was ahead of Latifi in, in, in qualifying, and he maintained that pace throughout the race. Latifi went backwards off the start. Uh, De Vries was either level or, or moving forward. And for 56 laps, or whatever it was, he challenged and stayed on the back of Pierre Gasly. Mm. And I, I think, Connor, he showed himself to be a racer. I'm surprised he hasn't had a start in a Grand Prix before now. That that's just incredible. And you know, given the fact that he's done Formula E, he's won the World yeah. Championship in that. He's done Formula Two, won that, and he's also raced in World Endurance Championship. You, you'd think by now, as I said, he'd be on the grid and be established. I'm just utterly surprised it's taken this long. But 
great result for Nick. It's been long overdue, and look, it's not the not the best way to get a start in Formula One. And trust me, I know what a appendicitis is like because I've been through it <laughs> when I was very young. It is painful as fuck, but it's a great opportunity for Nick to really show his wares. And if that's not an audition to get a seat with Williams next year, if they if Mercedes allow him to drive for Williams on loan. I don't know what's going on with the the system in Formula One, quite honestly. Yeah, I think Harry, he, um, you know, that the the Formula E thing has kind of sat as a you know sidebar to to the to the whole world of motorsport, but it's it's mm. got some good racing. There's some good racecraft there, and he's just he's just shown himself to to have a different level of apprenticeship. And I, I think that you know Williams would be mad not to make a decision uh, asap about 2023 based on this weekend alone. Yeah, and I don't think they've really got too many other options, especially options that, that are going to be any better. Um, I think Daniel's made it pretty clear that he's not interested in Williams, and then mm. I think that's probably their only other option, or maybe Mick Schumacher. Mm. But yeah, I think, I don't know about poor old Mick, but it's a really interesting time for this to happen, considering the whole IndyCar debate and sort mm. of what is a valid feeder series. And it kind of reminds me a little bit of what's going on at the moment in the NBA and the whole college basketball system and how that has traditionally been the feeder. Um, but throughout recent years, Australia's NBL and EuroLeague and Europe and stuff have been feeding players that have been as good, if not better, than the college mm. system. Yeah. And is this potentially what's going to happen in F1 with, with these other series outside of the traditional feeders? I think it would be a great move if it did happen. The, the, yeah. other, driver, the other driver worth <coughs> noting from the start... It was Lando Norris who completely fucked the startup, and um, I'm blaming him entirely, not the car. Um, <laughs> but that's uh, just Aussie hatred. Uh, but it was a shocking start, Harry, for Lando. Like you could, you know, that that low camera that sits kind of track level that you can never really tell what's happening until they cut to a wider shot or that first corner. Mm. It was obvious from that camera that Lando had pretty much stalled on the grid. It, it was a shocking start. Is that what it was? Is that what it was confirmed? Because it just well, it, I mean, it looked like a stall, but then he kind it looked of like a stall, but didn't hear anything know, else on it. The, the, these systems in anti-stall, whatever it is, yeah. in, in the end, he he his his start was the worst of the grid by far. And yeah. you know, it is the driver that, that controls these things. It, it's it's funny watching when these drivers stall. Not that it, it doesn't happen very often at all on the grid, but it's one of the it's one of the only feelings on the grid that I think most people can relate to is the panic. Of stalling <laughs> yes. at a set of traffic lights. Yes, yes, it's a very it's a, good. It's point. our one shared experience. <laughs> you know, Max was up into third after literally just the first lap, Connor, and that pretty much set the scene for the race because if he's able to make that much ground, I mean, he's obviously a, a great racer, and he, t- he took some great moves on the first corner, let alone uh, around some people in the first lap. Yeah, um, he clearly had that pace, and there was a lot of talk before the race about you know how long it would take Max to. To catch up to to Charles, but you know, third place after first lap, it was always looking ominous for uh, for Ferrari. And he caught up to Charles by lap five. Uh, yeah. That's a scary thing. I mean, Max is just completely on another planet. I know we've said that before, but you just look at the pace of Red Bull right now compared to Ferrari, which. When you look at Ferrari's situation, they keep flip flopping all their plans throughout the race. It's like mm-hmm. they don't. They're not. They're just not in the same kind of stratosphere as Red Bull at the moment, and Red Bull is absolutely wiping the ass of everyone on the grid at the moment, and it, it just shows. So, 
I, I'm yeah. I was just utterly impressed with how quick and how efficient Max was able to get up into the lead from such a, a lowly place due to the grid penalties. He, he did. He drove exceptionally well tonight. He, he did. Um, we had Perez coming in on lap nine uh, for hards. There's some kind of conversation about whether or not there was a problem with his tyres. The, the front right was on fire for an entire <laughs> lap, which seems strange. But Harry Leclerc pitted under virtual safety car. Sebastian Vettel uh, had an um, uh, energy recovery system failure. He, he pulled over at, an, at, a, at a gap in the track, so it was never going to be a full safety car. Uh, Leclerc pitting on lap 12 for mediums. Um, yep. Was that the first sign that things were not going to go well for Ferrari, do you think? Um, I, I probably thought the opposite, actually, if anything else. I, I felt like that they, they'd actually struck a bit of luck for once. Um, yeah. I, I, I don't know if that they were going to get through the one stop like I think they, were, they originally had hoped for on those mediums. But at the same time, I, I assumed that it was, you know, the strategy was going to have to differ too much for Red Bull and that they'd gain these 10 seconds. And you know hmm. what? It, it was like up until some stuff towards the end of the race, like it, it could have maybe worked out for them. Hmm. Well, they were looking maybe. at double stacking maybe. as well. At which point? That when oh, with the, yeah, yeah, yeah. Was, I don't know. I, I just think that mediums at lap nine with 40-something laps to go, it was clearly it had to be a two-stop, and this is not traditionally a two-stop race. So to be the alternate strategy, I don't know. I just feel like it was a bit too aggressive, and I think Ferrari's position needs to be a little bit less aggressive in strategy at this point and more consistent. Mm. Um, but, you know, it, that, that played out that way. I'm obviously looking, looking in retrospect. But what I found fascinating, to be honest, throughout most of the race was Daniel um, holding off Gasly, Alonso, Norris, De Vries, that that little train. They call it a train, but in the end, Gasly fought, I don't know, 30 laps, got nowhere. Like, there there was no... The DRS effect here is quite low, if if none, because the the wings are already pretty much open. Um, But, Harry, I mean, Ricardo did a great job uh, of, of racing... And proving, I think he got everything out of the car he could. I think he did, um, including up what was about two thirds of the race through, when there was a bit of a bit of team radio coming through, yeah. where he was asked to to hold up Pierre a little bit. So I, I don't know if he ended up purposely slowing down a little, knowing that that it was very hard to overtake. I'd like on this to track. think he didn't. <laughs> yeah, I would like to as well. Like, because what's what's in it for him to do it? Yeah, like I mean, what's the point of trying to tell Daniel to hold up someone for his uh, for the team's benefit when the team have shown yeah. him the door? I mean, that's I, I insanity. Have, I, I, in my head, I would have thought, no, nah, screw you guys. I'm going to do it the way I want to do it. You know, you don't want me in the team anymore, so why should I adhere to your instructions? I, I would have just told him to just to shove it, basically. Yeah, I think so too. I, I don't. I, don't, I don't genuinely don't think he did uh, no. back up at all because you had uh, Leclerc come in on thirty-four. Then I think for Sops, for Sops comes out in second. He has a nineteen-point-six second gap to make up, and spoiler alert, makes up fuck all of it. Um, maybe two seconds in the in the in the heat of the race. Norris then uh, is still to pit on lap thirty-five. Um, he finally pits on lap 36 and he's slow. Like, it's a slow stop front right, I think it was, um, Connor. And mm. I think the team would have got him out ahead of Daniel if that hadn't happened. I think that pit stop literally cost them that uh, 
well, that position on track. The, I think it was the left mm. rear, not the front, not the le- no, the right rear, not the front, uh, right front. So, and it was yeah, five second stop, and that really cost Lando dearly. When we when we were talking on the group chat, we were like, yes, like you know, Danny's in front, you know, karma, instant karma, because obviously, Trevor, I know you've got instant hatred for Lando at the moment because he's just a smug little. Little shit, Prick. basically. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, you know, I'll say this. To, you know, let me say mildly. this about Lando as well. <clears throat> and, and the Sky Sports coverage obviously started with a lot of com- conversation about the passing the Queen. And uh, Lewis made a very nice post on Instagram, as did George. They didn't show a Lando one. I haven't checked. I don't follow him. But they showed an interview with Lando. And honestly, he came across as a smug little prick who this was, you know, a really important moment for him to make a, make a statement about the Queen. It, yeah. It really. Honestly, didn't come across as a uh, an impassioned, you know, uh, empathetic, um, you know, statement. It was a very strange thing, and maybe I'm coming at it from the wrong <laughs> perspective. But far out. I just, I don't know. The whole weekend struck me as a bit strange. But um, so so be it. Lando is Lando, actually, and he actually, ended up I'm just, pushing ahead. I'm, I'm just looking at his Instagram right now. He has not even put out a, a post about Her Majesty. Uh, that's, I mean, that says a lot. Does that says to... a lot about his team, and as in not not McLaren, but his personal team. Don't you think? Yeah, I, like, I, I also like. I wonder as well. Like his his ancestry, obviously, he's, he's from Belgium and things like that. So compared to the other British drivers in the grid, he, he probably doesn't have as strong a, I, I guess, connection there with the royal family. I don't know. <laughs> who who can like, who can even tell? It's so weird being here and then seeing it on TV and like literally the whole weekend being about that in quite a bizarre way. Um, hmm. Yeah. It's, it is hard to relate to the, the <clears throat> way the British put it, but, and you're right, maybe there's some ancestral um, uh, differences there, but still, I just think that if as a British driver under the British flag, um, you, your, your team around you, whether it's the social team or the, whoever should have assisted with that oh, in some way. Anyway, I agree completely there. in that, <clears throat> in that sense. Let's get back to the track. Uh, Lando, he did end up obviously getting past Gasly and Ricciardo because he was on soft tyres. And then you just, uh, you see the, the, the totem pole on the side of the, the screen just go click, 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 click. And Daniel's going backwards and the, the commentator's going yellow flag somewhere. And I'm like, it's Dan! Fucking <laughs> shit. Um, it's so the time shifts. It's lap 47. He's, he's in between the two Lesmos, which means he's on a, you know, a pretty dangerous part of the circuit. It's the inside, but but still a dangerous part of the circuit to, for any car to be. And it's certainly not uh, near an exit, though. It's clearly stuck in gear. And so now we've got this situation, which is fascinating, where uh, they don't send the safety car out straight away. Like we're all sitting here, we would have. I reckon we would have all pushed the red button, send it out, right? Yeah. But it seemed to take. I don't know. I'm going to say 30 seconds. Maybe that's enough. But. You, enough for Max and Leclerc to go past the pit ed- entrance because the safety car hadn't been called and the team weren't uh, obviously certain enough. George does come in just seconds after it is called, but the safety car is in such a position on the track that Max and Leclerc can come in and get, and, and put soft tyres on. So now we've got the top three on soft tyres. The safety car the, takes the cameras a lap to find the safety car. And then you have this whole conversation with Karun and Co. talking about how the lights are on and they're letting cars pass. <laughs> Mate, this wasn't the lap cars. This was just them finding the fucking leader of the race. And then the next phase is having the thing cleared. And then the next phase is letting the lap cars pass. It was never going to restart. Harry, do you, do you think? Did you ever see it restarting? No, not a chance. I mean, no, I didn't it, see it either. 
It was kind of funny in the sense of I, I bet there was someone up there just absolutely packing it as is is there going to be a repeat of some kind of Abu Dhabi? And you know but what? There was a lot of, of conversation, and we will talk about it in a minute about about grid penalties and things. But Connor, I would argue this is a more important place for regulations, sporting regulations, to be adapted. And that is, do you know what? If there's a safety car within. Oh, I don't know, let's call it six laps of the end of the race, red flag. Whatever the case, red flag, so that we resume racing. We should always end under green. I you agree know, with that. It's called racing, mm. Toto. Yes. I mean, that's that's the bottom line, Connor. It is the bottom line, and I'm honestly surprised why they didn't even consider putting the red flag out and suspending the race. It is in the regulations. You can suspend a race. It doesn't necessarily mean... If you put the red flag out, it is the end of the race. You know, you can suspend it, and I'm surprised, you know, the race directors at the FIA, since Michael Massey's gone, didn't even consider that. Because Massey, would, if Massey was doing that, he would have called the race to be suspended instantly. He would have he would have triggered it to make sure that the I race think if Massey was, was there, clear. he would have walked out the back door and gone, I'm not having a bar of this. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. I think uh, it's just... It's just so subjective, though, and when it clearly yeah. benefits one team over the other, it's sort of... I, I can see why, as the person in charge of that decision, you wouldn't do it. Yeah, but that's, totally. But that's where I think it comes back to, Trevor, what you were saying is, you know, if it's mandated somewhere that within X amount of laps, that's, you know, red flag it. Like, I think that Because then it's sense. black and white, right? Exactly. See, now there's greyness. Exactly. Because there's multiple mm. options, right? If there's... if it's It's computer programming. If safety car within six laps... Of the, of the checkered flag, red flag, so that racing can resume when the track is clear and safe, right? Boom, done. Mm. Simple. Every team knows that's the case. Every team has the same information. Every team can make a judgment based on that. And I think that's kind of what Formula One lacks is black and white rules in that sense. You know, there's, there's some black and white rules in a lot of other sports. So I think that's disappointing. Let's be clear. Wouldn't have made a rat's ass a difference, but it would have made the last five laps exciting. So you would have had. I agree. Max, whether it's from, you know, a standing start from the bloody pit lane and then rolling or whether you line up again, who cares? Doesn't matter. You've got Max, Charles, and George all on fresh softs. And you know what? Charles would have given it everything. And Max might have actually gone, you know what? I'm not going to fight this fight because I want to, I just want the points and we're going to wrap this thing up soon. So. It actually might have been a very different result, or it might have been the exact same, but the fact is it might have just been more entertaining to watch because that race was boring. It mm. was. And at the same time, I look at the races last year that had those race suspensions, like Saudi Arabia was one of them. Baku was a great example where it was a last lap, or like a one-lap sprint to the finish from standing start. I think the races that we had last year under Michael Massey's control were far better than what we had so far, like in tonight's yeah. race, just far better. And I'm just, yeah, just, the insanity of the race direction by the FIA at the moment is just stupid. Yeah. It, it should have been a red flag and then restart it, and it would have been a great fight to the finish between Verstappen, mm. Russell, and Leclerc. Would have been great. I, I think it's just that the regulations are, are lagging behind the type of racing that we're all after at the moment. I think that that's, it'll change sooner rather later. It has to. Just, I think the FIA need to take into account the fact that there are now more people watching at yes. the track and mm. more people watching on the television, and they can't let this slip. It's a very unique opportunity to to make the sport, you know, sharpen the pencil a bit. You know, let's 
let's just get all the all the regs right here. And, uh, you know, it's a little bit of clout they've got too because they've brought the sport to a level. They have a little bit more clout sometimes over the teams than they used to in the Bernie days. So, yeah, I think these are the little things that need to be fixed in the sport to, to make it true. Um, in the end, Max Verstappen uh, from Charles Leclerc, George Russell, Carlos Sainz, Lewis Hamilton. Carlos, by the way, had a great race. We'll talk about it in a minute. Um, Sergio Lando in seventh, Pierre Gasly eighth, Nick de Vries ninth, and Joe Guanyu in tenth. Um, I think that, that Carlos Harry did have a great race. I mean, he, he came from, he a, from a very, very different position and you know, drove a great race to finish fourth. He, he, he could have potentially got a bit further up, but, uh, but I think fourth is a great result. It was, yeah, first thing, he had a great race, I think, from where he started and seeing how easily he was getting past people and and especially drivers that, that had quite a bit of speed to them throughout the grid as he ended up in that spot. But what was interesting was with those soft tyres that he changed into as well, like there was also that hope that, that he could actually have a bit of a run for that podium and, and yeah. particularly even to win. But yeah. then Ferrari, for some reason, just had no pace on the softs. And it was bizarre because they seemed to make decisions around the basis that, that they did have pace, but they clearly didn't. Yeah. It, it is a strange one. I don't know that we can really go hard on Ferrari strategy no, today. I mean, but this is the best strategy they've had all year. It probably <laughs> is, but they would certainly... I think they would second-guess some decisions they made, but you, everyone would. I mean, it'd be mad not to in any, any single race, wouldn't you? Um, Pierre also did well, I think, this race. Uh, we've already talked about Nick DeVries, but Pierre did well... He showed clear pace. He he was able to follow the McLaren strongly, and you know this is for him. Uh, Connor auditions for the Alf, uh, the Alpine seat. Surely, I, I have to agree with you there, and I I think he knows that his future in the Red Bull family is pretty much coming up to an end. So this was a good audition for that Alpine seat. Even if the relationship between him and Ocon is not that strong, it, it's actually going to be if if they do get together for the next year. Cheese there's going to be so many mind games between those two drivers. And, of course, you know, the French are very, um, very headstrong, you know. Uh, I think, yeah, Pierre's going to go out and make a point in these final few races, or final five races of the season. He, you know, he wants to make it known to Alpine that he should be in that seat to replace Alonso. But I don't think, and we'll, we'll talk more about it, I don't think that the Alpine drive is all but secured for Gasly at the moment. Neither do I. Maybe one or two other drivers, very much dark horses, I reckon, that could potentially take that seat. So it's not all it's not all sure you think? here at the moment. Who do you think, Connor? Well, well Trevor and I, have, I, I guess, concur with the same concept of Jack Doohan. I know Jack's not had the best of luck of late in Formula 2. He's been in you know, wrong place at the wrong, wrong time and has had a few incidents. But he's in the top five in the Formula 2 Championship, which was won by Filippo Drogovic uh, on the sprint, uh, yesterday in the sprint race. So if he finishes in the top three in the Championship overall and there's only one more race to go, I would say you could not rule out Jack for a potential promotion into Formula 1 next year. Maybe it might be a bit too early, but Jack's showing a lot of good pace. I think he could surprise a lot of people. I think it would be a weird middle finger to the to Oscar's camp yeah. to put Jack yeah. in that seat. That's my I, think, exactly. I, think that, I think that given everything that's still going on with that team and their statements about Oscar, I think it would be a massive middle finger. And also, it would be cheaper. Um, also, it wouldn't have the, the drama between Gasly and Ocon, so... You know, it's probably a smarter thing to do. 
um, though riskier in terms of results. So, you know, I do think it's a fascinating one, and I think that's why they haven't signed Gasly or announced Gasly. I think that the paddock sees it as being a fait accompli, but I don't know. I just I just think that Otmar might well go, you know what, we've been screwed over here. Let's pull a different rabbit out of the hat. And, and again, this mm-hmm. is Aussies talking about an Aussie getting a seat, so it is a bit, you know... I think it's it's bias in that sense, but uh, you know, that, like Doohan's in the garage today. They want him. They want him to be there very visibly. That may be part of their negotiations, but also Mick's the kind of guy that's going to find them whatever they need, however they need it. So I really do think that the Mick Doohan influence in that uh, team and the clout that it might bring could exactly. be a strong thing for them. How much do you think confidence in car development plays into this? So. You know, for example, if they're confident that their development is, is going to go to plan and they're going to have a competitive car next year, does that make the decision for you? Like, we know Gasly's a known quantity. We know he's got some pace. He's won a race. We Let's go for him for, for two seasons. Um, or, yeah, rather than trying on a rookie. Like, are, they, are those the type of decisions they're making? I, I, don't, I don't doubt that. But, but I, I also don't think anyone would would assume that their car is going to be something next year that it's not now. I mean, that's a huge... Obviously, everyone thinks it's going to be better next year, but you just look at Mercedes. I mean, that's just that's just is what it is. So, I don't know. I, I think that it's more a business decision around what each driver can bring to the team, the economics of it, because Jack would be millions cheaper than Pierre. But as a um, factory team, though, do they care? I, I think as a factory team, they've still got a budget. I yeah, really do. yeah. I think that the French government aren't massive fans of the amount of money that gets poured into it regardless, um, but they like flying the flag when it, when it suits them, which, is, which also favours Pierre, right, because it would be a massive thing for them as a you know, state-run business. And it's also been a very long time since an all-French team, in terms of management, driver, uh, running under the French flag, it's, ha- it's not happened in a very long time, not since, I think, the Ligier days. So, you know, if you have French drivers in a French team, the French are just going to go absolutely ballistic. But, you know, they, as, he's, as we've said, they could pull the, uh, you know, the cheaper option, put Jack in the car, as, a, as you said, as a middle, as an up yours to, to Oscar and what, what's happened with that in the recent time. Before we recap where we think Daniel's at now and talk about a couple other teams and look at the points, we do all thanks to KO Sports. It is footy finals time. There is finals on KO Sports. There's cricket coming up on KO Sports. It's uh, it's never-ending year of sport on KO. So kosports.com.au, you get your seven-day free trial if you haven't already got one, and you can enjoy every single race live, every single session live. And that's the great thing about what we get today in 2022 over what I was getting when I was a young man, which was just the race with Daryl Eastlake and Alan Jones. Uh, the times, they are changing. Uh, boys, um, Aston Martin, what a shocker. I mean, you can't be happy if you're Lawrence Stroll. Uh, you know, two cars out and never showed any real pace. Mm. Uh, mm. The, the grid positions are the only positive thing of the weekend, and that was thanks to, you know, seven or eight cars, you know, going backwards. It's, it's, kind of, it's bizarre with them because... It, I mean, this is this is funnily enough only the first time that uh, that Stroll has retired all season, which baffled <laughs> me when that when I found that out. I felt like for some reason that that he'd been out a few times, but I guess it's just always because he's a sad. disappointment to everyone, but his dad. Look, if he's da- maybe his dad's the only opinion he cares about. I mean, I'm sure he's got plenty of daddy issues. The only, that the only opinion dad. he needs to care about. It's the only reason he's got his seat. 
Ah, well, look, you know, whatever, whatever works for him, right? Yeah. yeah. I, I wouldn't complain about my avenue for a seat into Formula One. No, I don't think anyone would. But doesn't that make you think, you know, they've got that same question around what's our next year's car going to be? You know, they're obviously doing the, the CAD scans of everyone else's cars so they can find a, a, a copy paste <laughs> again. That's, you know, they're going to have to do something different because this year's car is clearly not working for them. But it's a massive disappointment. And I think in, in many ways, I still believe that I can't, I can't fathom how how strong and an amazing businessman Lawrence is, yet he's not looking to do something different without his son. I just it but maybe just doesn't, he just loves his son work. more than more than any amount of dollars in the world. You know what? And that is exactly the fucking point, Harry. I think that is the best thing Lance could ever take to his yeah. to his grave is the fact that Dad loved me more than creating the best team because there could have been more better drivers he could have bought. Yeah, exactly. Like, mm. it's, it's, you know, for, for it's all the, the sweetest the thing shit. you've ever said. Yeah, I know. I feel a bit touched myself. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> so, um, L- listener Glenn will be uh, very upset at me right now for trying to be nice about the strolls. <laughs> yeah, I'm with you, Glenn. I'm with you. Um, so, Connor, yeah. there, was, there was some nice little videos on social media over the uh, last week with... Um, Daniel talking to Sergio, walking out onto the grid, and there was, you know, turn the volume up. You could hear Daniel say, take a, take a year off and come back in 2024. Is that where you think Daniel's going to be? I, th- I think his options are starting to become limited now. Um, it's like, do you go with a Haas option? Do you go back to Alpine? I personally don't think he will go back to Alpine, given the, the you know, how that went sour in the end. Um, Mick's future at a Haas is not all certain right now, given that his association with Ferrari as a junior driver is coming to an end as well. Uh, there's so many different you know, scenarios that could potentially play out. I still think the American option is probably the best option for him, but g- going out for a season and, and just biding your time and doing nothing... I don't think you can, you can do it these days. I know some drivers have done it in the past. I know Fernando spent a bit of time away from Formula 1, but he was yeah. driving other cars and that. I don't think you can do it. And because mm. it's such a young driver market now, as soon as you leave Formula 1, I, I think you can never come back in now mm. and mm. adapt to a, the similar kind of machinery because as soon as a younger driver comes in, they're going to whip their ass of, Everyone else, they're going to try and you know make sure that they keep that seat moving forward for the next season or two. So, what, what about you, Harry? Uh, I, I think I think Connor's completely correct. I think that's why we haven't actually heard a decision right now because I, I think he knows that if he doesn't have a seat on the grid next year, that it's he's never going to get one back. So, yeah. is it worth it for him to to go for something like a Williams just to be there for the sake of being there and and try and prove he's still got it or? Does he just cop it and, and do what's I next? And, yeah. I don't see him in a Williams either. I think yeah, Nick DeFree's performance tonight, I think he will get that seat over Logan Sargent. I know Sargent might bring in a bit of money, but DeFree deserves that drive more than anyone else right now. Mm-hmm. I think it depends what uh, Dal- uh, Dalton wants to do with the team. Like, Are they looking to offload it anytime soon? If that's the case, then then you probably go DeVries, um just to try and up your chances of getting some points. Uh, yeah. But I don't think it's going to be Daniel. All right. Well, we're, I, I think we're all agreed Daniel won't be on the grid next year, which is massively disappointing. I but don't want to it, think about it. It, it is what it is. We'll, um, we'll, we'll address that as the season progresses. There might be an announcement in the next 
little while. Um, Connor, where are we at constructed championship wise? Constructors championship. Well, it's uh, it's about almost basically 141 points now uh, between Red Bull and Ferrari. So Red Bull are now on 545 points to Ferrari's 406. So they they could also wrap up the Constructors' Championship within the next couple of races. That's how dominant Red Bull are at the moment. Mercedes are on 371 points, so they're about 35 behind Ferrari. Alpine, the uh, best of the rest at the moment, 125. McLaren on 107. Alfa Romeo on 52. Haas on 34. Alfa Tauri on 33. Aston Martin on 25. And Williams scored two more points, and they on six points. Whew. And uh, I'm assuming the Drivers' Championship is very much dominated by one Dutchman. <laughs> yes, the Dutchie is uh, doing very well out in the front, Max Verstappen. He can wrap up the World Championship next race. That's the long and short of it. 335 points to Leclerc's 219. So if he wraps it up in Singapore, he needs to be more than 100 points ahead. That's basically the long and short of it. Sergio Perez is nine points behind Leclerc on 219. George Russell is only seven behind Sergio on 203. So the battle for between second and fourth is not done with by any stretch of the imagination. George could fin- finish second in the championship. That would be outstanding if he did. Charles, mm. uh, Carlos Sainz, 187 points. Lewis Hamilton, 168. Lando Norris, 88. Esteban Ocon, 66. And Fernando Alonso on 59 points. And Nick DeFries on two. Um, well done. Latifi's going to come 21st. Yeah. 20 race championship again. Look, Latifi's not going to come last, okay? Hulkenberg. Uh, is uh, mathematically last, okay? So just oh, look, who knows if he, he could get a run up? You don't know. <laughs> Imagine putting Hulk in just to put him ahead of Latifi on the, on the yes. There'd be someone, um, there'd be someone bitter enough to do it. You know what? Stroll would be the Stroll. one because it's billionaire daddy versus billionaire daddy. <laughs> when you've got nothing to lose at that point in the season. Now we've got a couple of weeks off. Uh, we've had a few in a row, so we've got a couple of weeks off now before Singapore on the second of October. Uh, and then what have we got? Japan. Japan, oh, one week later. And it's a day. And it's a daytime race as well. What? On the Bathurst weekend. I don't know how I'm going to cope with that. Um, wow. Well, just, okay. don't, we Sing- don't we have Singapore next? We've yeah, Singapore's, Singapore's next. Singapore's on the, on the 2nd of October, but then the week later in, oh. uh, in Japan. Four in o'clock. The, yeah. So bring Oof. that on. Four o'clock in the afternoon, and then a uh, couple of weeks before the United States at, at uh, Coda. So it's all happening for the next month. Uh, three great races. Um, Singapore should be a bit of fun. It'll be interesting to see how that goes down after a couple of years away. And, uh, yeah, we'll do it all again here, boys. Thanks to Coda Sports. Connor, Harry, uh, go and get some sleep. And uh, we'll be back for uh, Singapore in a few weeks. See, see you. Ya. See you, everyone.